Yeah, I got a lot of uh, feedback. Let me see your, uh, your headphones. Yeah, give me the bottom of the cord. Okay, 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 okay. We are ready to roll. Music still playing. You hear everything all right over there? Yeah. Yes, beautiful. Um, Australia, Australia, episode two. Um, we are still in the Australian Open. Uh, we will be still talking Australian Open next week as well, but it'll be over. But um, this is this the episode here. You know, we're right in the meat of the tournament. You know, the semis, the quarters. Oh, it's been good, man. It's been real good. Um, how have you felt about the tournament thus far? So far, so good. It's lived up to every expectation I've had. Okay, that's what I like to hear. It's been, man, tennis has been good since, um, what was it, ATP Cup? Yeah. It's just been a good year for tennis, and it hasn't even been a full month. Yes. Um, but, you know, go ahead and break it down for us. What are we going to go over today? We have a lot to discuss. I'm not going to get into everything because I'll be here reading this list forever. But we got Serena post-match conference, <clears throat> Coco Goff, is Serena, well, sorry, is Coco Goff really better than Serena at 15? Mm-hmm. Is Osaka a wolf in sheep's clothing? <clears throat> Big uh, Margaret Court <clears throat> drama again. Mm. Kyrgios mocking Nadal. Mm. And Millman and Federer drama. Oh, yeah. And, of course, uh, the impact of Kobe Bryant on tennis as well. Right. But first, we're going to start with Serena Williams. <clears throat> okay. She lost to Jing Wang from China. At the U.S. Open, she beat her, Serena beat Jing Shuang, 6-0, in about 40 minutes. Sheesh. This time it was reversed. Mm -hmm. Serena, in her post-match interview, said, I am too old to make so many errors. Mm -hmm. And she said, I will be on the court next day, and this is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about her comments? <sighs> it, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, it sounds like she's ignoring the fact that Wang... Played out of her mind as well. Um, she played a good match. Um, did we see the best Serena we've ever seen? No. But when's the last time you did? You know, I think the Serena that beat her 6-2-6-0 wasn't the best Serena I've seen either. So, you know, there needs to be a little more credit given to the competition there. But hopefully this puts a little fire underneath Serena and makes her realize, you know, she's really got to kick it to that next gear and work harder. Serena was had a very smart tactic. She was hitting down the middle, mm -hmm. and then she was going trying to open up the forehand side, mm -hmm. and it was working perfectly. It's mm -hmm. just that Serena couldn't return serve, mm -hmm. and at the end of the match, she was missing the forehands. Yeah. So that's what really caused her to lose the match. Mm -hmm. Now she made an interesting point as well. Obviously, Coco Goff is the phenom. Mm -hmm. She said that Coco Goff at 15 is better than Serena Williams at 15. Who said that? Serena, Serena Williams okay. did. Um, would you agree or disagree with that comment? Um, honestly, I can't even remember a Serena Williams at 15 because I don't think she was competing on the tour like this. Um, but I have to honestly agree. Um, the results we're seeing from Coco Goff and this Australian Open, I don't think a Serena was doing that at 15. Serena was actually a late bloomer in comparison to her sister. You know, Venus was the heavy hitter and the the really successful of the two in the early end of their careers. So, 
All we can hope is that Coco can continue to ascend the way Serena ascended, which is a big assumption, and then produce the longevity that Serena did, which is another major big assumption. We see a lot of players that are really promising early on, you know, 18, 19. Where are they now? How right. long were they good? Do they keep getting better? You know, all these factors go into play. But um, we might be uh, going on a rant here, but I watched Coco Goff closely, you know, these last couple matches, and I um, I underestimated her. I uh, have to give credit where it's due. Um, the strokes do look better, which I told. I think I said that before. Right. I think that they will improve. She's only 15. They're going to get better. My strokes when I was 15 compared to when I was 19 were dramatically different and just technique alone. So uh, I do think her strokes have improved. Her serve motion, I actually like it. I like her serve. And, um, yeah, her mentality is not bad out there for her age at all. So She's definitely – more well-spoken, in my opinion. She was well-spoken compared to Serena Williams. Oh, for sure. Uh, Serena Williams' raw talent probably had more. Mm-hmm. You'd have to remember when she wore braids. Remember yeah. that? That was her at, a, at her youngest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. You could probably say that Coco was tightly better. Um, stroke-wise, was probably yeah. a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But Serena had the raw talent. And she <laughs> that's something you can't replace, you know. Right. Serena had... In my opinion, better genetics as an athlete and more raw talent for sure. Right. And she still does to this day. What she does on the court is she's depending on that talent and athleticism a bit. Right. Sticking to golf, Osaka, after the match, she went onto her interview and said, and I quote, I like Coco Goff, love Coco Goff, but I hate losing to her. What are your, com- what are your uh, comments about that? That is uh, pure honesty, I think, you know. Um, I think she openly said, well, before we uh, we jump the gun here, for those of you who don't know, I predicted that Naomi Osaka would, I quote, steamroll Coco Goff in the Australian Open this year, and she lost. uh, Naomi Osaka, a lot like my prediction, um, I think she, you know, underestimated what Coco Goff could do out there on that court. And uh, she assumed that it would just be a part two of what had already happened at the U.S. Open. And on the flip side, I heard Coco Goff in her press conference say, we took note of what happened at the U.S. Open and we went to work in the offseason on how to fix that, which was getting overpowered and blown off the court. She was prepared for the pace this time. Uh, She was prepared for uh, Naomi Osaka's tempo of play, and they were aware of what she likes to do and what she dislikes, and it showed. So um, that that is a major uh, a major key to me in the future of Coco Goff. The assessment she made and adjustments that's major at her age. Now, Osaka took the loss very bad. Mm -hmm. She was crying. She said it's painful to lose to a 15 year old. Now, what do you think of that little exchange at the U.S. Open? Coco Goff, when she won, she just said, okay, go go by yourself. They didn't do the whole uh, hugging yeah. thing and, um, you know, talk mm-hmm. in public. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, did <clears throat> Osaka really do the, uh, the best thing at the U.S. Open or was she was just trying to save face? I was never a fan of it in the first place. I think I expressed that as well. Um, but you know, Osaka is one of those people who she, um, 
she likes to be successful and she hates to be anything less than seen as great. And it shows, you know, it's shown in her t- her performance on the tour thus far. You know, when she's winning, she's up high. And when she's losing, she's on the floor. You know, her highs are high, her lows are low. And um, that is dangerous, you know. If she gets out there and she's feeling really good, her shots are working and she's beating people, we see her game at that elite level of a top four player. But the second things start to seem a little dark or negative, you know, I hate losing to this person. This is embarrassing. I don't want to talk. I'm hurt. I'm crying. I'm imploding. Uh, there needs to be a middle ground, you know, more consistent and relaxed, steady, steady mentality. Right. I agree. You know, Coco has that. Right. You know, so I have to really respect that. Sticking to Coco Golf, the very next round, she lost to Sophia Kennan, mm-hmm. who just defeated Ash Barty mm-hmm. and is in the Australian Open final. Sophia yeah. Kennan. Respect. <clears throat> yes. Um, Chris Everett. When she lost the match, when she was losing the match, again, she was all, man, she's just tired. Mm. Osaka, a lot of energy. She Mm. wasted a lot of energy. Mm. John McEnroe straight out said, do you think that Sophia Kennan is just simply better than Coco Gauff? Mm. Um, Chris Everett said, I think that both of them at their best, Coco Gauff is better. Mm -hmm. John McEnroe replied by saying, well, why isn't she winning right now then? What are your thoughts about that comment? Uh, I love it. Uh, I got to say, Kenan beat her because she's probably more ready to go the distance in a tournament. And, you know, I think she was the better player in that match. I think that's the bottom line. She outplayed her. Right. Okay. Moving on to the big controversy at Margaret Court Arena. Oh, shit. We've been talking about Margaret Court for the longest time. Uh-huh. We were talking about when is she going to be introduced to the public as far as the 50th anniversary for her titles. Yeah. She was introduced at the Nadal Kyrgios match. Ooh. Normally, they televise that stuff mm-hmm. so the people can see it. Yeah. They did not televise that. Good. <clears throat> um, is that weird to you? Uh, after all of the um, so to catch people up a little bit, Margaret Court has been in the hot seat for her her opinions on the LGBTQ community, and, right? You know all these all these opinions from someone who hasn't been on the tour in like thirty five years or something. You know, like when's the last time she played a tennis match? Yeah, it's a long time ago. Um, she's got to be quiet and just take her uh, her honors. You know, take the red carpet, enjoy your uh, celebration. But instead, she's been mouthing off about things that are in a world where those things are much more relevant and normalized. And yeah, no one on TV wants to see you now. You know, we don't care. So, you know, I feel like the tour is out of respect, providing her that uh, that ritual, that ceremony. But I promise you, if she was doing the thing she's doing right now, maybe three years ago. This might not even be happening right now. I agree. So, you know, she should be grateful it even happened. And I didn't want to see it on TV. Did you? I didn't either. Yeah, I had no interest in seeing it. I don't know anyone who did. So, right. Yeah. She's been seen in Rod Laver's box a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, here is where the controversy comes in. They had a senior event. Navratilova and McEnroe, John McEnroe, played a doubles match. And after the match ended, Martina Navratilova climbed onto the chair's umpire. Mm-hmm. There's a mic there, as you hear it. Mm-hmm. And she started saying, um, Margaret Court does not deserve to have her name 
on the stadium. Whoa. And she just went on and on and on. They had to cut off her mic. Whoa. Uh, John McEnroe. <laughs> John McEnroe had a, a, a poster that says, yes, remove her immediately. Whoa. And uh, put another Australian legend. Unfortunately, I don't remember her name. But um, that caused a lot of controversy. Wow. They did apologize for their shenanigans. Oh, they're not apologizing. Get out of Martin- here. Martina did apologize. She's because, not sorry, uh, though. <laughs> yeah, she did say, I apologize for the protocol. I didn't know the protocol, uh-huh. but I would have done it anyway, but in a different way. Yeah. John McEnroe said the same thing. Yeah. And then at the end, he said, but am I really sorry? That's my guy. Right. Let's go. Uh, yes. So what do you... Um, <laughs> Any comments on that? I love it. Um, we need more of that. You know, if you got beef with someone and they're in the room, scream that. Scream that out loud. I love it. Uh, and, of course, McEnroe is going to be the guy who even – what is McEnroe doing in the middle of this mix? You know, he wasn't even in this beef. He just put himself in it. So, I love that. Um, but, yeah, I agree with them, you know. Uh, shut up. You know, just be happy that we're still talking about your name because most people who watch tennis today don't know who you are. You know, that's just the facts. You know, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. You're not a commentator. You're not on the tour playing the senior league. Um, you're not considered the greatest of all time, even with your record, because Serena outshined you. Um, let the tour either celebrate you and try to keep you relevant or sit in the back with, you know, whatever money you've made and just be happy. So I'm not a Margaret Court fan. I remember the the lady's name. It's Gulagan. Mm-hmm. I don't remember her first name, mm-hmm. but uh, she had seven slams, I believe, and she's go. an Australian legend as well. There you go. So they were saying put her name and remove Margaret Court. Now, John McEnroe is working for about ten different broadcasts at the Australian Open, including yeah. ESPN. Yes. So he had to apologize and save face a little bit. Yeah, I understand that. But he also said. Serena beat her record already so she can wash off the face of earth and Please. no longer be mentioned. Please. So that's what he said about that. Thank you. Macro's taking the words out of my mouth, man. Yeah. Thank you. He brought it on the Coco Goff comment and mm. he brought it there. And he does that stuff, but normally he's more subtle about it. I'm yeah. surprised he all of a sudden he just, bam, brought it out. That old age, you're getting more crazy, you know? <laughs> Moving on to the men. Nick Kyrgios. Won a five setter when he was up to when he was down one to two uh-huh. against um, Hashinov. Yeah, and he was on the ropes. Yeah, and he ended up pulling that out in five mm. right before the Nadal match. Mm. He's never known to do that because he's mentally out of it all oh, the time. Oh yeah, he gets checked out fast. Is this a new leaf for Nick Kyrgios? One thousand percent. We're seeing the most level-headed, the most solid mentally player we've seen of Kyrgios ever. Uh, this is a guy who we saw in positions where the match is over in my head as a spectator, let alone the guy who throws chairs when he's up and loses the match. We've seen him mentally lose a match while he's still up in the score. So this is insane to see. And he's doing it against people who don't allow wiggle room for mistakes. Right. So, um, you know, we've seen him throw matches against unseated people I've never heard of. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely a lot less outbursts. The outbursts we did see were almost justified. Um, a lot more positivity from shots and his shot making and decision making on the court is also more matured. Uh, he looks a lot more tactical and he's playing better. Right. So, yeah. If you good. didn't see that match, it was a war. It was a two a tie break sets, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 
it, it was a really good match. Now the match before that against Jill Simone, mm. he was called for a time violation. Mm-hmm. Now we do know that Nick Kyrgios is one of the fastest servers in <clears throat> the ATP yeah. as far as pace and as far as not taking their time between points. Yeah. Normally, whenever you're in the motion of serve, mm. the um, chair umpire turns off the clock and lets it go. Yeah. This time, they didn't, and Kyrgios lost it. As a matter of fact, he started yelling at the chair umpire. Mm-hmm. They turned off the mic because he's on probation. Yeah. And then the very next serve, he starts mocking Nadal with mm-hmm. the whole uh, the hair fixing. Yeah, I saw uh, yeah, that. Tucking his rear end. That's what Nadal does. is a ritual. Mm-hmm. So he was basically saying, oh, yeah, you know, he takes a long time. I'm already on the line, and you're going to penalize me? So yeah. did you think that was funny? Um, I didn't think it was that funny. But uh, I understood he was trying to make a point, which is, you know, I'm already in the motion of about to hit the ball and you time violate me. But Nadal is still bouncing the ball on the court when the time runs out. And you guys just everyone's just watching. So, yeah, I get the point he's trying to make. Did he make it in a very intelligent way? No. Is he going to prove anything by doing that? No. Did he win his match? Yes. So we can't say a whole lot or talk too much trash, but yeah, I thought it was pretty unnecessary and uh it didn't make me laugh too much. You know, maybe like a year ago I would have been laughing at that, but I've seen it too many times now. Now Jill Simone, his opponent, also got time uh got a time violation. Yeah. And he started tucking at the pants as well mm-hmm. when he did it. So when both of them started doing it, I got a little chuckle out of it. Oh, well, yeah. Lie. Once you see Simone, yeah. who is a level-headed, nice guy, right. and he's doing it, that's funny. As yeah. a matter of fact, Kirio started laughing as well, Yeah, if you saw the clips. Mm. Moving on to the match between Nadal and uh, Kyrgios, that was the biggest match in the tournament. Oh, yeah. We've been waiting for this match. Right. This might be more exciting than the championship was. Television rating-wise, it was the biggest in Australia. Now, mm. they're known for cricket. It yeah. was bigger than any cricket match. It was the biggest at the time. They were actually saying that it's anticipated to be bigger than a Djokovic-Federer match. Was this going to happen later on tonight? Yeah, I Do agree. Do you agree with that? I 1,000% agree because of this. <clears throat> Last year, Nadal and Kyrgios had trading remarks on air and in interviews and stuff like that. Then we see Kyrgios beat Nadal in Acapulco for a final. They meet up again at Wimbledon. And they've been talking trash all the way up until this point. Nadal beats him on grass. And so now it's kind of like a they're supposed to play at ATP Cup. Huge stakes in Australia. Hmm. Both coaches kind of, eh, they play other people. They don't play each other. Then they run into each other for the chance to go into the quarters or the semis? Oh, my gosh, man. Everyone's like, Who's really going to outplay who? Kyrgios is looking more level-headed than ever. Nadal has been on fire. He's number one in the world right now. I don't know who's going to win. I don't know. This match had a lot. I was anxious. I stayed up and watched the entire thing. This was a great match. They both played out of their minds. And, you know, spoiler alert, it already happened. Nadal pulled it out. Barely. Barely pulled it out. And after the match, Nadal openly said, look, the guy that I played today I respect that guy. Right. He looked great. He was he is a contributor to the sport of tennis. He literally said all of those things. And I think he would have said those things even if he lost. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that's a good thing to see. And we did hear Kyrgios also say, look, I can't tell you that we like each other. I can't tell you we'll ever be friends. But I can tell you we respect each other as athletes. 
So there's a level of respect, and you know they recognize each other as elite athletes. So that's a special rivalry right there. Oh, it's gonna carry tennis with the Djokovic match if they ever the play. The only each other. thing, the only thing on earth right now, tennis related, that can be more crazy than that match is Kyrgios versus Djokovic. Right. Because Kyrgios literally disrespects Djokovic and says, I don't like that guy. I mean, he said negative things about him on actual public podcasts. The moment they play each other, you're going to see Djokovic with blood all over him. Like, he's going to be ready to kill. I haven't seen that kind of Djokovic in a long time. It's been a while. So... I can't wait. That if Djokovic wins that match, he's gonna rip his whole entire wardrobe off after. So I can't wait. Now we do know sticking to Kyrgios, we do know that Zverev threw a jibe at him saying that playing a two out of three match is different than a three out of five. You need to focus and all that stuff. Yeah. He decided to finally stick a jab to uh Zverev mm. at his post conference after the Nadal match. Mm. They asked him, So you made it this far. Do you think you can continually do it? He said, yes, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm concentrated. I made it to the final 16. I think I'm one of the best players in the world. Well, I'm better. I know that Zverev made it a little farther than me, but I think I'm better than Zverev. So there was the job Ooh. at uh, Kyrgios. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like it. Now going on to the Nadal-Dominic team match. Dominic team played the match very of his life basically he he that guy was swinging like a superhero at the ball i've never seen i've seen it once but this is the second time i've seen two players hit the ball this hard and the rallies are almost 30 balls long each the whole match right we're talking meteors like listen go on youtube anthony's in the building right now what's up this is my boy (laughs) go on youtube dominic team versus nadal um, Australian Open. Right. These guys are hitting like baseball bat swings at each other. So much spin and pace on the ball. Oh, man. 26-point rallies consistently. Yeah. If you're not a tennis fan or you don't understand the rules or anything, this is the kind of match where you can watch it and still be screaming at the TV. Right. Like, they are hitting that ball enough for you to just appreciate how well they're doing it. So, now I, I'd hope that wouldn't be someone's first match they ever saw, though, because well, most tennis did, is not like that. They'll hook, that'll hooked. They'll be hooked <laughs> until they see the and next. Then they'll um, see the next match and they'll be oh. They'll see Simone this? versus uh, you know Seppi or something and <laughs> yeah, just hate the sport. Down. Now I have a question for you. Mm. Nadal had a tough draw again. He did. He gets Kyrgios and then Dominic Team. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I'm gonna be honest with you, man. Um, I don't feel bad for him in this specific situation because. This is just a testament to the fact that the men's tour, the top 50 are pretty excellent. You know, there are a lot of great guys on the men's tour that are not ranked in the top 20 right now. Um, And it's unfortunate. I feel like Nadal consistently kind of pulls the heavyweight names outside the top 20. I hate that that happens to him so much. But, I mean, if you didn't respect Nadal before, you have to respect him now for how well he's performed through these draws because – how many times has you have you seen Federer pull these kind of draws and actually be successful after? I don't think I ever have. Mm-mm. So, um, yeah, I want to give a major salute to him, and I will admit he's had some tough draws for a number one player the last six months. It's rough. Um, hopefully, uh, lets up a bit for him. You know, I know his number one ranking is in jeopardy right now. So, if uh, Djokovic wins the Slam, yeah. he's number two. Yeah, if Djokovic pulls out Australian, we'll see a new number one player. 
Now, <clears throat> do you think that Dominic team has arrived? Would you base yes. the arrival of Dominic team on that match? Yes. Okay. Um, absolutely. <clears throat> we saw a great Dominic team beat a great Nadal. That Dominic team is beating Feder in four, for sure. That Dominic team against that Djokovic is the true final test. Uh, but he's getting a set off Djokovic playing like that for sure. I'm excited to see what he can do against the last guy, the big three I need him to prove himself against. I know he can beat Federer playing like that. I know he can beat Nadal playing like that. If we see him do it against Novak, he is the future of men's tennis, officially. No debates, no qualms. So, Dominic team, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to keep slugging that ball for another 10 years. Since 2018, Dominic team is 7-2 against the big three. Seven and two. Seven and two against the legends. Against the big three, and he's five and two against Roger Federer. Oh my gosh! Oh my heart. uh, Dominic team has arrived. Oh my god! And Dominic team is a very bad matchup for Nadal. Yes, he is. Horrible matchup. Of if anybody that you want to see in uh, Nadal's bracket, if you're a Nadal hater, it's Dominic team. Yeah. If you're a Nadal lover and you see Dominic you Team on his side of the bracket, you should punch your TV because Nadal is punching the wall when he sees that in the draw. Moving on to the Milman Federer drama. Okay, tell me more. Milman is an Australian who we know beat Roger Federer at the U.S. Open mm. in that dry heat. Yeah. Milman was feeling himself. He was saying. As he should. He was saying, Federer has always played on Rod Laver Arena. Why don't we play on another stadium where he feels less comfortable? Mm. Because I can definitely beat him on such a stage. What are your thoughts? <laughs> that is just annoying. Like, come on, man. Federer has played on every stage on earth. Federer has played on top of buildings. Federer played in the water. Federer has played underground. This guy's played on any tennis court that's available because he's Federer, Okay. The only way you're going to get help on a court against Federer is if the conditions are slower. The crowd doesn't matter as much. None of that stuff's changing anything for you. So he's just talking trash, you know. And, I mean, you spoiler alert, it didn't work. So, you know, if you're wondering if the trash talk got in Federer's head, it didn't. Now, Roger Federer knew that the organizers were going to be putting it at Rod Laver. Yeah. But he still entertained the comment. Mm-hmm. He said, put me anywhere. I will play wherever the organizers want me to play. Mm. I thought you'd want to play at Rod Laver because of the matchup being so big. Mm-hmm. But if you want to play somewhere else, I'll play you anywhere. Yeah. Now, going on to the match itself, <clears throat> Millman was pulling some very dirty tactics. Mm-hmm. He was putting the ball on his shirt, mm-hmm. which has sweat on it. Now, yeah. you do know that when we played on the rain, yeah. And when it's first with water, yeah. the ball flies on the serve. Yeah. What do you think of John Millman's tactics trying to that sweat the ball? That is disgusting. That is a disgusting tactic, literally and figuratively. I don't know if you've ever hit a wet tennis ball before. I just want you to know it sprays you in the face. And I don't, if, oof, let me find out someone wiped this sweat on a ball and it sprayed me in the face. Look, man, I'm not saying I'm trying to hit you with the ball after. But if you got hit by a ball after, it, it's not a coincidence, you know. So, yeah, um, that's a nasty tactic. And um, I didn't even notice it at first until you told me. So, Do you think that 
<clears throat> the, the ball will stay wet enough in order for the ball to fly that fast. No. I don't think he was sweating that much. But also, I'm not in Australia watching. You know, I don't know the temperature there or how drenched these guys are. They're changing shirts, wiping themselves with towels. You know, they have a pretty good setup there to where they shouldn't be too drenched unless they're playing in, like, daytime summer heat 102 degrees. But, right. you know, I don't think it made a significant difference for him. Yes. And for you smart aleck remark people, yes, the ball will get fluffy. But after four games, the balls are changed. Yeah. So, yes, you can do that and still have a fast ball. Yeah. So <clears throat> I did some investigation. It is in the rule where you cannot do that. Of course. But yeah. he did it anyway. <laughs> now, another thing. Leighton uh. Hewitt was giving signals to John Millman. <clears throat> we know Serena got big time violations yeah. and uh, fines for doing that. The umpire turned a blind a blind eye and completely ignored it. Oh man, Australia's crooked, man. Gee, that's like the underground slam out there, man. Slime balls. Any comments on that? Uh yeah. Uh a lot of favoritism going on out there. Um I'm noticing people either absolutely love and it's their all-time favorite tournament on the tour or they kind of don't talk about it at all and i'm starting to see why now because we hear Djokovic. i love australia it's my favorite place to play all year and then we're hearing other guys you know yeah i'm here you know doing my best barely making it out of my matches because i'm getting cheated you know so it's it seems like an ugly place to be if you don't know how to work the system a very political tournament these days now, John, John Millman was up 8-4 mm -hmm. in the super tiebreak and lost. Yeah. So, tough for him. Yeah. Now, going on to tonight's match, Federer Djokovic. <sighs> Federer has played two five-setters in a row. When he played tennis Sangren, he was complaining about a pull and it's growing. Yeah. Do you think that Federer can beat Djokovic at all, even at 100%? No. <laughs> I don't, man. I uh, normally I'd say yes. I do think that he can beat Djokovic, but we're talking about if I were to ask you what is the best tournament Djokovic plays in throughout all of the year, which tournament would you say? Do you, Australian. Australia. He owns um, Australia. He's, I mean, in the last decade, I think two out of my top fifteen matches of the last decade, two of them are Novak at the Australian, and he played out of his brains and beat. Great players. And the one time he lost, he lost to Stan Wawrinka looking like he was on the juice, you know. So I can't imagine Djokovic at 85% losing tonight, you know. And don't get me wrong. I'd love to see it. But I can't imagine it happening. Um, Dominic Team is probably your last hope, if you right. ask me. I agree. Know? If Dominic Team loses to Zverev, chalk this up as another Djokovic slam. Now I forgot something. Um, the WTA mm. is passing the coaching in the stance. Mm. So they are going to make it legal. They finally said, hey, it's as if you're a pedestrian. Mm. You're walking across the street. It is illegal, but people do it anyway. Mm. And the cops really don't stop it. Mm. So they're just trying to make it legal. The WTA, <sighs> not the ATP for now. Yeah. Last piece of news, um, honoring the passing of a legend. Kobe Bryant passed away on Sunday. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, I have to say, you know, this is a guy who was involved in the world of tennis. Uh, he had a strong relationship with Novak Djokovic. He uh, 
I don't know if you know this, but Kobe lived in Newport Beach. Right. And um, he actually went to the Newport Open, the, the tennis events there. He was there playing tennis. And uh, he was there. He met Nisha Corey, and he was on the court playing. And that was the first sport he really took on, like, with serious discipline after basketball, after he retired from the NBA. So, you know, uh, this is a guy who even openly said, hey, you know, uh, this is an individual sport, and I recognize – the significance of what makes this what it is. This is a sport you have to respect. And he was saying that he would love if his kids went into tennis, you know, and stuff like that. So this is a very open-minded, cerebral guy. Um, I'm sure we'll talk more about this in the future, but, you know, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Even before Kobe Bryant passed away, there is a video of Cristiano Ronaldo with Novak Djokovic. Cristiano Ronaldo is considered one of the best soccer players in the world. Mm-hmm with Lionel Messi mm. and he said when my, I had the elbow surgery mm. I was talking to Kobe he was one of my mentors mm. it was as if I was the student mm. and he mentored me and he took me he helped me and I was always asking him questions and, and he always asked me uh, I was uh, asked him for help mm. we also know that Naomi Osaka as well yeah. asked him for help and she's an up-and-comer yeah so he meant a lot to the sport of tennis yeah as a matter of fact there was a tribute uh, during the Kyrgios Nadal match, and mm. you saw Kyrgios wearing the number was it eight or twenty three or twenty four? Sorry, yeah, it came out in the jersey. Yeah, and um, normally they don't allow people to wear jerseys, and mm. he did it anyway. They allowed it. Mm. There was a tribute, and Kyrgios cried right before the mm. match. So, do you have any thoughts on Kobe Bryant as a player or whatever you want to share? Oh, for sure. Um, I think he's a testament to a lot of what we see from maybe even a Djokovic, you know, which is um. Hard work and discipline. He's probably the only NBA legend that I wouldn't consider a genetic freak. Um, this guy is tall, and that's about it. He's not super strong. He's not super fast. He doesn't jump stupid high. His body is a, a normal ratio of an NBA player. But his work ethic is so retardedly not human. He's genetically a freak mentally, actually. You know, the level of discipline and tenacity, concentration that he had is not human. Um, and we see that in Djokovic, right? You know, Djokovic, we almost think he's on the juice because he's so zeroed in and focused, so disciplined. He doesn't make mistakes. Um, you know, I think that that's part of the reason why they had such a good relationship, even though I wanted it to be Federer and Kobe so bad. I know that'd be a little oh, better for man, me too. man, I actually. wanted them to be friends so bad, but it makes sense, you know, because Federer is a lot more like uh, a Michael Jordan where just the raw talent is just ridiculous, you know. We're talking about a guy who makes things that are almost impossible look easy. You know, Kobe, it didn't look easy. He just did it all the time. You know, it's very different. So, you know, I respect him a lot for that. And, uh, yeah, it's a major loss to the sport of tennis and basketball for sure. So, Better uh, is more more of a above-it-all type person. Yeah. Like Michael Jordan. Yeah. <clears throat> but um... And Nadal is a genetic freak almost with his strength and how he arms the ball. Kind of a LeBronish thing going on, so yes. there's a little trifecta there for sure. Right, there are the the people you just mentioned. They're the three biggest names. Yeah, since the '90s for sure, they carried and revolutionized basketball. Yeah, and uh, just to let you guys know, life is a story, mm. and it's the way you want to tell it. Yeah, when something gets tough, really go after it, and that's what builds character. And that's what I got from Kobe Bryant, the right. Mamba mentality. Yeah. Um, he really, really just went at it 100%. Yeah. No days off. He'd go to the gym at 4 in the morning. 
he'd uh, go to the uh, basketball games about 4.30 right before a game, and the game started at 7.30 or something. Yeah. So he was there early all the time. Mm. So that's what I got from him more than his titles and all that stuff. Yeah. So if one can learn to live that way, you'll improve 100%. You'll be great no matter what you're doing if you work that hard. Yeah, for exactly. sure. Exactly. So, Kobe, rest in peace. Yep. And that's that. So, I ATP. hope. Yep. Till next week.